This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, welcome to Life's a Pitch. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by David Walker of The Daily Mirror and his colleague, Darren Lewis. The dream is no longer impossible. It's a reality. Leicester are Premier League champions. Takes some getting used to that, doesn't it? Will it be a one-off or will it start a trend? In Europe, Liverpool and Manchester City have their dreams. The nightmare of relegation still extends from East Anglia to the northeast. But first, Leicester. Greatest story ever told, David? I think it probably is, yeah, in that I was thinking about the significance of it and how momentous it is and thinking back to Forest, Nottingham Forest with Brian Clough coming out of the old second division, winning the league title and going on to winning Europe. But that was in 77-78 season. And if you look at that decade, it was a period where Derby County won the title twice, Leeds United won it, Forest won it then. So you have this thing with provincial cities could win the league. If you look at the last 20 years in the Premier League and how it's exclusive it's become for the big boys to win it, the clubs with the really big bucks, I actually think, yeah, for Leicester to achieve what they've done, it is the most incredible story and everybody should accept it if you win the league title, you are the best team in this country. So I salute Leicester, the best team in the country this season. Best team, Darren, in terms of, you know, there's a great belief amongst themselves, you know, there's a human spirit to it. But also, best well-run well club? Best well-run club. Um, the scouting system has been fantastic. Um, we know all about the people around Claudio Ranieri, Craig Shakespeare, Steve Walsh. And, uh, yeah, they've done a fantastic job on and off the pitch. And, yes, of course, some of the bigger clubs will now come and try and raid some of the uh, star players. We think N'Golo Kanti will go, yes. Jamie Vardy, Mill will have PSG. his suitors. PSG, Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal Wenger apparently is in love with Kante and his ability to intercept so many balls without giving away fouls. Uh, they believe that he will come in for him this summer. Chelsea, huge admirers of N'Golo Kanti and his abilities. Uh, there's a saying that uh, three parts of three quarters of the earth covered in water yeah. <laughs> and the other part covered by N'Golo Kanti, yeah. uh, which is a, a fabulous uh, little ditty. Uh, uh, but, you know, I think as far as Leicester are concerned, they've captured the imagination worldwide. You look at the Italian press and uh, they've devoted more coverage 
to Ranieri winning the title than they did to Max Allegri winning this Italian title with Juventus. Mm. Um, I do some work myself for Fox Sports and um, the, the foreign broadcasts every week want to know about Leicester. You know, it, is, it isn't mm. just something that we kind of trot out over here. They are absolutely in love with them. The American broadcasters, the, the, the Dutch, the, the, the French, everybody knows that the, story, the achievement that Leicester have pulled off in winning the Premier League with so many other clubs with greater financial power has just been simply magnificent. And you've also got Ranieri, who's, who's everyone's favourite uncle at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, and to a degree. I mean, I noticed that the mirror we have, Robbie Savage is a columnist, and Robbie was uh, claiming at the start of the season, I think Leicester were going to finish 17th, and this would be, uh, his big concern was the loss of uh, Nigel Pearson in there. <laughs> and you look now with Ranieri and what he's done, and it is a formidable achievement. By all accounts, he's respected what the backroom had to offer. He's listened to them and realised he was in a stable club. You know Steve Walsh pretty mm. well, don't you? You know him for a while. What are his qualities and what has he given to that football club? Well, I've known Steve probably about 40 years now. He's an old mate. Um, his greatest thing is he has, he has an eye for a footballer and he will research players to the point that rather than just seeing the the one that catches the eye and has a few tricks and he will actually dig into the background so for instance we were talking about Kante a few months ago when he really just burst onto the scene in England and I was saying he looks a really good capture and Steve went into his background and for instance how at that point he didn't even have a television he read he was a very serious guy so any issues of we put a French, young French player into Leicester and is he going to be heading to London or flying back home all the time and will he settle? They were absolutely certain of his, his sort of pedigree and background as a person as well as his qualities as a footballer. So that's what he offers. The one thing that astonishes me in knowing his contract was running down in recent weeks was that none of the real big powers had just gone and got Steve Walsh and Craig Shakespeare, whose contract was also running down, mm. and got them out of there. That, I, I did find that astonishing. It's interesting on the back of what you just said there about um, Kante, no TV at home. I read an interview of Mares um, in Le Keep uh, where he was saying something very similar. If you were to offer me girls or football, I'll choose girls all day long. Well, now that they've won the league, I wonder if that might change. But you, um, well, I'll choose girls over football. So, sorry, I'll choose football over girls. <laughs> that would have been the story. Absolutely. But I think as far as the, the players are concerned, you're right. Walsh does seem to really have, have tapped into the kind of player who has the right attitude to focus on hmm. the game and, and on their jobs rather than the trappings around But it's football. interesting you mentioned Mares. Uh, a friend of mine did a, a French TV show with him recently and went into the sort of green room beforehand and he had this massive entourage around him and no less than five separate people came up to him and introduced themselves as Mares's agent. Wow. Now that tells you that they're going to have to make a living in this summer mm. Very, very difficult to keep him. It will be, but you know he's already come out and said, "I don't want to go to PSG, for example, where he could obviously command a huge fee uh, and, and huge wages." He says, "I want to stay at, at Leicester. I want to stay with this group of players. We all fight for each other. Um, we've all gone through. We've all suffered together, and I still think they're very much a team. Yes, there may be components of the team that may be spirited away mm. by some of the bigger clubs, but I still think they are very much a unit." Just coming on, Mar, as you mentioned, Steve Walsh. Mm. It was the arrival of Mares and what he played like that actually provoked an inquest from Arsene Wenger. Leicester played mm. at Arsenal mm. and he actually asked Steve, where did you find him? And Steve joked back, 
well, in your back garden because you used <laughs> to find all those players. And it was a case of how Arsenal and Arsene Wenger had missed a talent like that playing in the second division in France for that sort of money. A few people have missed out on Mahrez. He tells a wonderful story about the time he had a trial at St Mirren um, and uh, he'd scored seven goals in four games. They kept him waiting, he says, for two and a half months. Eventually it was so cold, he was so fed up, he got a bike, decided to leave his belongings there and basically just dashed off. What, so he literally got on his bike? Like, literally got on his bike, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I bet they're wondering how he managed to slip through their fingers. But it is that kind of player that they've managed to acquire that has helped Leicester to where they are at the moment. Mm -hmm. And a broader sense, you know, we'll look a little bit later on in the show about how the others have reacted to Leicester. But let's just dwell on Spurs because obviously their draw at Chelsea, you were there, Darren, uh, last night. What did that tell you about Spurs? How far away are they from being potential champions? I don't think they're far away at all. Um, they will obviously be hurting at the moment. Um, I was very surprised at the pattern of last night because they went 2-0 up and then they started to get involved in stuff they didn't need to. They, 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 they were in control of the match. They were in control of the game. They'd scored the two goals tellingly. They missed another chance. I think it was Ryan Mason who yeah. missed a chance mm -hmm. to go 3-1 up. Um, but I just felt they got drawn into stuff that they didn't need to. Now, I'm in two minds about it because I think, as far as Pochettino is concerned, he has changed the mentality. We've discussed that on this show before mm. at Spurs. And I, given Chelsea's long run of not having lost to Spurs, I think Pochettino wanted, to go there, wanted them to go there and not be bullied. And I think that's the reason, possibly, that they were so fired up as they mm. were last night. But I think that cost them the points. Yeah, but Darren, real hard men don't behave petulantly. We talked about this before, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, you know, I, I, I respect what Tottenham are trying to do, and I agree with you. I think they are on the brink. I think, and in fact, I would say if they learned the lessons from last night and the, the sly kicking, I mean, Walker doing that, you're just thinking, you're asking for a red mm, card, and don't, you don't do mm, that. Mm. Just don't, just cut that out. But the real stand in an intimidating atmosphere with opponents who are clearly fired up, and you say, well, hang on, guys, you've not played like this all season to the Chelsea lot. This mm. is the best or the most committed you've been. Well, for that's any the greatest condemnation of that performance. Absolutely right. Mm. But you cannot then be jabbing in the eye because the consequences of, of FA inquiries of things that it would appear Mark Plattenberg, the referee, missed are going to be massive. They could even run into next season with some of them with mm. the serial offenders mm. in that. So all I'd say is Pochettino's right to get them tougher, etc. But let's not get it where it's a petulant, stupid... Dave Mackay mm. was tough, but he didn't go around jabbing people in the eye. Yeah. The that, and that, that, if you look at that incident, you know, one, the linesman's looking right at it, so mm. he's obviously completely bottled it. Mm. Mm. But secondly, I can't get my head around the mentality of someone who would go up to a fellow human being and stick your finger in there. It's just incredible. It was just needless. It's petty. It's spiteful. And, and yeah, I, I kind of understand why they intended to go down that route. The only thing I can think of, because I've seen a few Spurs surrenders against Chelsea before, <laughs> and I think, yeah, I've seen more than a few actually, and I think they were just de determined to make a statement, mm. and I think they chose the wrong time to do it. And at Chelsea, the press box is perfectly positioned for Absolutely. that, because it's right behind the away dugout, isn't it? Yeah. Give a sense of what you were seeing you know, that maybe the cameras didn't pick up. Do you know, I've covered a lot of games for the Daily Mirror at Chelsea. I've never quite captured one where so much has gone on, and that includes during the days under Jose Mourinho, because there were fights on the pitch, there were confrontations 
in the dugout, and we've sat together in in, in mm. Chelsea. So you, you can see how you want to smell the dugout from where you are. And there were, you know, Pochettino, normally mild mannered, was confronting the fourth official, was confronting Steve Holland. Um, the, 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 they were berating the fourth official. They were berating the assistant referee. It was just chaos. And, and then at the end, and I, I, I don't know obviously whether Sky caught all of it, but the brawl at the end, Fabregas gets into the face. Uh, I think he, he does say something in Spanish because Hedink admits it to us afterwards. He says something in Spanish to Danny Rose. Danny Rose goes crazy. Michel Vorm goes running in. Um, this is after the final this whistle. This is after the final whistle, mm. and it is just complete chaos. And I think needless from Spurs, yes, but also spiteful from some of the Chelsea players as well, taunting Spurs. Listen, we know that the, the fans didn't want Spurs to win the title. John Terry's posted on Instagram saying, not on my watch um, as captain of this football club, are Spurs going to come here and win at all, let alone remain in contention for the title. So there was a lot of bad blood building up and some of the players have been saying, look, I hope the FA understand the context of the match. I'm not sure they will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but and, and I don't either. I don't think there was an excuse for some of the conduct in the match last night. So there we're talking about negative emotion, mm. David. Let's look at Euro week and let's look at Liverpool first mm. off. You know, that win against Dortmund in the last round of the Europa League told you the power of positive energy, didn't it? Do you expect something similar this week. Yes, and I'll tell you why. I think there is another thing that ratchets the whole thing up is the outcome of the Hillsborough inquest. This will be the first time the faithful have been reunited at Anfield to support the team and to look at where they are in terms of this was is a significant moment for, in the history of Liverpool Football Club. So I was there in, I think it's 77 when they uh, beat San Etienne, which has gone down in the legend as one of the greatest nights in Liverpool history. I can appreciate what Anfield's like when the place is rocking. I think they'll get that again. I think Klopp has got that ability to lift them. I'll be astonished if Liverpool don't go through this way. Mm. Klopp, he's, you know, we always say he's a breath of fresh air. Mm. Is he the person who could make Liverpool almost like the new Leicester next season, the outsiders who come in, come in and win the league? Yes, I can. He does have the emphasis on the team. Um, it is interesting because goal scoring has been a problem for Liverpool uh, since uh, Suarez left the club. Uh, and over the last two seasons, in fact, you could argue it's cost Brendan Rodgers his job mm -hmm. because the team just have not been able to find the net over the past season or so. And what he clearly wants to do is to ensure that the side are not reliant on any one man, which brings in Daniel Sturridge, because the relationship he has with Sturridge is a really interesting subplot, not only to the game on Thursday, but it has been over the last few weeks. I was at a press conference where he was unnecessarily rude and confrontational about Sturridge. Now, Sturridge had, uh, had an um, outstanding performance at Bournemouth, and we asked him about him and, he, and he, he just didn't want to talk about him at all and as we all know as journalists you offer a manager the chance to be complimentary about his player and he normally bats it out of the park mm -hmm. um, but it, he, he didn't really want to yeah. focus on Sturridge just, at all just which was the fascinating weekend when Sturridge has come off or at Sunday at Swansea without, and walked without up accepting the Klopp, applause, Klopp yeah. has an opportunity to give him a kick in again and says Absolutely. no 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 issue blame me etc so he turns it round I mean you're dead right Dan a manager's got to what, inspire, motivate, and maybe giving Daniel Sturridge a kick up the backside is part of it. And the things he said, the key is, can he get goals out of him on Thursday? Because the loss yeah. of Origi, the way Origi was playing, is a massive loss but for the But what Liverpool. worries me 
is Daniel Sturridge's appearance at the weekend against Swansea because that I wonder if Firmino may well start up front on Thursday against Villarreal mm -hmm. and if that happens so given what everybody is, believes Sturridge should have been on the pitch that Villarreal were there for the mm -hmm. taking uh, last weekend uh, they'd been on a little patchy run of form uh, sorry last week they'd been on a little patchy run of form I think it was only one win from their previous four um, and, and so they were there for the taking mm. they're not a great side let's not beat about the bush here and Sturridge remained on the bench for the entire match and then suddenly he appears with the reserves against Swansea if he doesn't play in the second leg against Villarreal at home with the opportunity to reach Europa League final I think we all can draw our own conclusions well he'll go won't he I think he will I think he will I Look, I think during the first half of the season, well, first two-thirds of the season, when Klopp needed him, he wasn't fit. And I think Klopp now believes that he needs a striker that is going to be fit, that is not going to have injury problems, and is his man that he can rely on. If he wins the Europa League and he gets into the Champions League, I think he may well get weighed in for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Obviously very loyal to him, played under him at Dortmund, and they've got a great relationship. I still think it's a risk getting rid of Daniel Sturridge because we all know he is one of the best strikers in the country on his day. But the relationship between the two is poor, and I think that we will find out whether he can put that to one side and play Sturridge on Thursday or whether it is such that he still believes he can risk the wrath of the fans. Mm. You've got Emre Chan now looking like he might come back. He's been one of the quiet successes there, hasn't he? Yeah, and again, we tend to make judgments very quickly, probably prematurely at times, but he's been on that slow burner that if you give people a longer term to get in. And to be candid, Mike, he's probably benefited by the fact that Liverpool didn't go racing up the league because he probably would have dropped out of the team and would never be seen again because of that mix and match and a lot of injuries. He's kept getting other chances, playing in different positions, you know, almost becoming a utility player for them, mm. but earning his corn and you go, do you know what, the guy's got a chance here. You know, we, we look at the importance of Europe, Darren. What do you think about Manchester City and their, I think, quite justifiable complaints about fixtures, scheduling, haven't got really enough time to prepare for you know, the biggest game of their season. Mm -hmm. I, I think they are entirely justified in being unhappy. And I just wonder, if they were to go and win the Champions League, I, I don't think the Premier League should join in any kind of celebration because I don't think they'll be uh, yeah. welcome. I think they haven't done much to help them. They were the last uh, team uh, to play over Saturday and Sunday. I was at their game against Southampton. They've made, I think it was eight changes mm. for the match. They were well and truly thrashed. It has to be said, despite the changes, given the, 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 the players that he did play, the performance was unacceptable from Manchester City. I, mm. I'm not going to be about the bush. Mm. That said, I think that it didn't help them to play when they did. The, the Premier League may all say, well, look, had we put them on first on lunch, at lunchtime on Saturday, they'd have said, we've only played a few days ago and you put us on first. Mm. We can't win. Yeah, it's a difficult uh, situation. It's a it? difficult yeah. situation for the Premier League, but I just don't think we help ourselves. But to pick up on a point you made, Darren, about you know, the, the implication of the character of that Manchester City team, have they got the character to cope with the burnabout? Now, we've all been there. Mm. We all know it as a really intimidating atmosphere when Madrid are going for it. Mm. Are they up to it? Well, I hope so. I, obviously, I hope City get through this week. I really fear that that is a club at the crossroads and the arrival of the Messiah, Pep Guardiola, where they could have ended up in the Premier League and how they have ended up 
in my sense, probably without winning the Champions League, and where they are with the number of senior star players who three years ago were really critical key men, I don't think that squad, despite all the money they've spent on a number of players, is as strong as it was three years ago. And I say that because of people like Vincent Kompany's not as good a player as he was, Yaya Toure's not as good a player as he was, David Silva's not and he's getting increasingly injury-prone. Aguero's still a great player, but he misses an awful lot of games. And I think some of the other players around it, they miss some of the people who were the, the steady eddies of that team. They, they've lost that. I honestly think they've gone backwards, despite spending the money on the likes of Raheem Sterling. The great one I would add in our home hands-up has been, has been good for them is Kevin De Bruyne. He's done well. But the overall, you look at the Zabaletas is another one. Nigel de Jong fitted in and did a job for them. That's what they're missing now. And the arrival of Guardiola suddenly you're going, this is a major rebuilding job. And will the Champions League camouflage that fact? They've got a huge issue, or a few huge issues to deal with. It's going to the task, Michael. A lot, lot of money. A lot yeah. of money needs to be spent. You look at, they're talking about Laporte, they've agreed £40 million for mm. offering the same sort of money for John Stones. Mm. You're looking at two, three, maybe even £400 million to get that team going. And yet... We started this conversation talking about just how well <laughs> Leicester have done yeah. without spending money. So really the work that City have to do is in scouting, is in finding the players that aren't expensive. It mm. can be done because Leicester have shown us that it, you know, mm. it can be done. I think I look at the, the City and I, I don't think they have a winning... It's hard to say a winning mentality because of course they do to reach the stage that they have. But do they have that, that, that team... Ethic is it? Are they individuals or are they a strong team? You know, are, do they have the the camaraderie that Leicester have, or are they guys who quite fancy? Because there was a period where they were doing okay in the Champions League, but their away form in the Premier League was woeful, mm. um, and and it was being levelled at them that they were really playing for the Champions League, but they weren't that bothered about mm. the league. They've got it all to prove now, and I think, as you say, David. It could be that winning a success in the Champions League masks some of the problems that they've got below the surface. has to be said, the scale of the task facing them at Real Madrid is that Madrid have only lost twice at home this season. And you've got Ronaldo coming back. Ronaldo coming back. He'll be licking his lips at playing. I know people will say, well, it won't be the same team. Well, Otamendi started the first leg and he possibly will start mm. on Wednesday night as well. Uh, Fernandinho started the first leg, came off at half-time against Southampton because he was so poor. Um... And I just look at that City side and going forward, they're OK. Company, as you say, is the best defender they have. They spent £60 million on Mangala, more than £60 million on Mangala and Otamendi. They do have big problems at City, regardless of what happens in the Champions League this so, week. So let's broaden this discussion, David, and talk about how the big clubs, the elite clubs, respond to Leicester. Chelsea, as we've already mentioned, you know the way they... Responded basically. Their season was, you know, condensed into 45 minutes last night. Mm. They sh they didn't turn up otherwise. You've got Arsenal with the issues of, of Wenger. You've got Manchester United who are a bit rudderless at the top of the club. Where is the challenge going to come from next season? West Ham. I'm not being facetious here. Darren's laughing at me, <laughs> but, but I'm being serious. I think Leicester can be an inspiration to those other. And Again, West Ham fans, forgive me, saying a sort of middle-of-the-road, smaller club than those big hitters. I think this can be a transformation for people. I think 
the issue you've got at both Arsenal and Manchester United is a significant one, which is this. If, and I don't think he will stay, but if Van Gaal stays, he is into the last year of his contract and says he wants to retire in 2017. If Wenger, as I sense, he will stay and he sees through the last year of his contract, we know that that could be changed in 2017. Now, both those clubs have got massive transfer funds to spend, but how do you get anybody to sign with a manager who's only there for one year? Mm. It's a huge challenge. And, as Alex Ferguson said back in 2002, the worst thing he ever did in terms of seeing things fall about and people looking for angles yeah, to either get out or come in was announce, oh, I'm going to finish in 2002. And he rescinded his retirement plan and he said it was a disaster. Now, my point being, how do you do it now? Now, for me, if Manchester United win the FA Cup or if they get in the Champions League or if Arsenal are serious now, they've got to extend the contract. Now, I don't think Manchester United will. I think they'll change and Mourinho will turn up there. But I think the Arsenal one is a great situation. You go, so what are you going to do for continuity? You could go and buy a new record signer for Arsenal, 50, 60 million pounds. They've got the money. But how do you convince him this is the right place for you because after all this time, Arsene Wenger's retiring next year. It's, it, it's a really tricky one for them. And it's a really strange situation at Arsenal. You know, the sort of protest by you know, office um, photocopier, you know, with the, the guys with their A3 protest yeah. banners. It was, and it was, it was probably the most half-hearted protest. Not only was it the most half-hearted protest I've seen for ages, but also it actually, when it was when they tried to execute it, it showed that there was a division between the social media warriors and the people who actually go to games because they were shouted down by the people at the stadium who believed there really is only one Arsene Wenger. And they were determined to give uh, the Arsenal manager the credit he deserves for his work over the last, what, 15, 16 years. He has won, let's not forget, the last two FA Cups um, and he has kept the club in the Champions League. Now, yes, they aspire to more than that. Um, but they don't have a divine right to win the league. You know, this isn't League One where PSG basically stroll to the title and win it by the end of March. Um, this is a tough league. And you say where the, where will the challenge come from? I smiled about West Ham. But actually, West Ham are indeed one of the, the, the clubs that do aspire to breaking into that oh, top I was being serious then, I'm <laughs> saying, with the, the new stadium, with the feel-good factor they've got, with what they've got Absolutely. going for them, if I was sitting in West Ham now as a director there, I'd be saying, hang on, fellas, Leicester City is our inspiration now. Keep a tight ship, united, if you've got one or two more players emerging. I don't know what's in their academy, but they have got the blueprint to go and follow it and at least be pushing on now as a Champions League David, club. David, you mentioned you as well, Mike, about the fact that City will have to spend a small fortune. Well, United a have done that. A large fortune, actually. <laughs> a large fortune, absolutely. Um, but United have done that under Van Gaal. And yet he's still coming out and pleading poverty and saying, I don't have any creativity in my midfield. You know, mm. Spending huge amounts of money does not guarantee that any one of those established clubs are going to get back yeah. into the top four. For us, as journalists and, and, and as football fans, it, it will be a fantastic spectacle because it will be the toughest Premier League ever to win. But it will also be the toughest top four to break mm. into as well because of Leicester, who will go get stronger, because of Spurs, with Pochettino has a clear idea about the direction he wants to take Spurs in, because of West Ham, who will look at buying a top-line striker who will already be looking at 
I know they are looking at a top-line midfielder as well. They'll look to strengthen their defence. They'll be in the Olympic Stadium. They'll be able to match bigger mm. clubs for wages. They will clear the decks again and keep building on what they've already achieved this season. Can I say this, though? Do you know the best thing, and we've not touched on this so far, the greatest thing of all in this, the greatest thing about Leicester is only a few weeks ago we were here debating the potential for a new European league based yes. on status of mm. club, <laughs> wealth of club, and we actually debated and said merit must win in football. Mm. If you finish top, you're the best on merit. I've got to say, Leicester City surely nailed that argument about a breakaway. Absolutely. The incentive, obviously, to stay in the Premier League is, the, is still money. Yeah. I get the sense that Norwich are slipping away. Yes. What about Newcastle? Well, <laughs> you can see the improvements Raf has brought to that club, the organisation that's there. I mean, it was Alan Pardew who said they are nothing like the, the Newcastle team that played early in the season at, at Selhurst Park. Um, the danger for Newcastle is that they've played the extra game and if people start winning, they're going to get overtaken. I think you're right, Matt. I, we've got to remember, Alex Neil did a brilliant job getting Norwich promoted through the playoffs and the run they had at the end of last season. And in a way, it's, I think it's caught up on them and that they are probably going to get found out. We're going to lose one of the two Northeast Giants out of that. I think it's an interesting debate. I, I, I personally came in here and thought Sunderland would survive. I'm not sure now with the way they're... And, and the other thing being, I know he's a big mate of Dan's, but Jermaine Defoe holds the key and is also the key that if you shackle him at the moment, because it's not just he's getting the goals for Sunderland, he's the one who's getting all the shots and everything. It's like, what else happens around here? If you, if, if you shackle Defoe, it looks like it's going to be nil for Sunderland. And, and he's got some nerve. That penalty was really important and he just... It away. The ability to deliver under pressure in tight situations, yeah, which he has, um, and he can create goals out of nothing as well, which does give Sunderland a chance. What worries me is that, as you say, Rafa Benitez has done superbly since he's arrived, and the biggest uh, compliment that you could give him is that Sam Allardyce is rattled enough to keep trying to play mind games. Suggested before last weekend that the Crystal Palace players had been on the pop, as he says, um, because they've reached the FA Cup final, not forgetting that Stoke who Sunderland were about to play had been on the beach having lost 4-0 in their previous three games. The worry now is that he's been saying again that Rafa Benitez's players will be suffering injuries because his training sessions are too intense. Allardyce seems to be very, very determined to try and unsettle Newcastle and I just wonder if that may play into Rafa Benitez's hands because he'll be saying to his players, look, they're worried about us enough to keep talking about us. We're doing the right things. We're out of the bottom three now. The team's in there. They've got it all to do to catch us, even though they've got games mm -hmm. in hand. I think Newcastle will get out of it. Fine. So that'll play itself out yeah. thrillingly. Final question, very briefly. We've talked about Leicester at the top of the show. have to finish with him. Where will they finish next season? Because of the demands of playing in the Champions League, which I think will be a distraction, I think Leicester will probably be mid-table in the Premier League next year. Darren? I think they'll finish in the top four. Well, enjoy it while you can, folks. I reckon about an honourable seventh next year. Thanks for joining us here on Life's a Pitch.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.